What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Games Gone podcast. We are finally back after a long, long, long off-season, you could say, you know? And like the players and, and, and many of the sports around the world, we've, we've decided to take the summer off. And given that the seasons are coming and starting a week this week or so, a weekend, no better time to get back going. With me, I have my wonderful and brilliant brothers, Mr. Shiv Soni Sadar. Hey, everyone. Good to be back. And my my brother, Ritik Soni. What's up, everyone? I noticed he didn't say wonderful, but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, Liverpool fan is wonderful, so... Whoa, 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 whoa. We're better than wonderful, okay? All right. This week, guys, for our topic, we're going to touch upon the Man United summer transfer window so far. Uh, you could say they're... Con- no, I don't want to say rebuild, but I want to say they continued progress under Eric Ten Hag. Uh, touch upon the signings that they've made and the overall direction that um, we've, you know, we think they're going in. So... With that being said, let's get right down to it. Um, now, given that you are a United fan, Shiv, I want to obviously start with you. And give me, I ask for your, your thoughts on the summer signings so far. Let's start with your first one, Mason Mount. So, I don't know why some people are upset about Mason Mount, because I think he's excellent, right? Plays for England. He was Chelsea's player of the year, what, three seasons in a row? He yeah. is he's excellent in the midfield. And if you ask any like Man United fan that bothers to watch Man United games, not that I'm taking shots at anyone there, they um the the one position that everybody would have said we needed was a midfielder and a striker. Those were the two things that everyone was like, Yep, those are the wish list. And so to go right out the gate. Get Mason Mount, Premier League proven, which I think is really important in the conversation we're about to have. Um, I think it's an excellent signing. I don't get why some people are upset. I think he fits the team perfectly and he's a starter from day one. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think there was more at the time. I think there was more discourse around Mount because of the need for a striker and you know, a goalkeeper and all these positions that had to be addressed, which they've now roughly been done. I think centre-back is another area you're still targeting. But what does he bring to your team? Like, how does he fit? So, I think he brings balance. I, I If I'm honest, I don't get why he's got the number seven shirt, because he's not going to play as number seven. But... MM7, that, seven, yeah? Yeah, that, that, that aside. Um, shout out MM7. But um, yeah, he he brings balance to the team. You know, he can play that deep lying attacking midfielder role. He can also push forward when the team needs. I think he got a goal in preseason, a goal and an assist. Um, if I'm not wrong in saying, um, so he brings that attacking threat, but also can play that deep lying role. I think if you look at Man United last season, we had a good midfield. But it was driven by two players who are perhaps towards the end of their career in Casemiro and Eriksson. And you could really see towards the end of the season the drop-off because of their their you know, the age, their legs not keeping up, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas Mount, and people forget this because of how long he's been playing, he's only 24. 
he is a, a young midfielder and the energy he'll bring to the midfield, I think, will be excellent. Yeah. I have a question on... So, look, in my experience with watching Mount play, and I'm not going to say it's uh, I've watched him play his entire career and all that. You know, I've seen him bits and pieces, obviously, the games against Liverpool, uh, a few bigger games here and there where you had to watch. I don't... I never saw him playing that deep-line playmaker role. I saw him play an attacking mid, an attacking eight, shall we say, or an, a midfielder, kind of like Lampard, where he would arrive late into the box kind of thing. So um, when you signed him, I was a bit confused as to, because I thought, you already have someone like that. You have Bruno Fernandes. Why would you go out and get another one of him? So, you know, tell me a bit more about like the the deep line playmaking stuff. Have you seen it in preseason think- now? Yeah, I think in modern football, having a single pivot is really important. As much as United have been utilising a double pivot, that's not the way most teams play. Everybody has a single pivot. So I think what Ten Hag is hoping for is that Casemiro is that single pivot. And I don't know how much you guys watched Ericsson last season, but he had this role where he could drop in with Casemiro when we were defending. When we were attacking, he would sit just behind Bruno and ping passes around. Okay. And kind of distribute play, set up the runs, through balls, yeah. was his role. And I see Mount in a similar light to that, except with the bonus that Mount can also get forward and score goals when needed. So that also think, hybrid that sits behind Bruno, I think, is the role that Mount will play. Okay. 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 Fair interesting. enough. In, it's interesting you say that, you know, I think nowadays people are playing with a single pivot. I've seen a movement back to a double pivot in recent um, recent seasons with Pep going into a double pivot. Um, we're going into a double pivot in the midfield when we're in possession. Arsenal do it with inverted fullbacks. So I think it's um, it's interesting that uh, you've got... Again, with inverted fullbacks or what Pep does where he pushes stones up, he's using a centre-back. So even though it's a double pivot, one of them isn't a midfielder. Right. If you look at the actual midfield, they're only using one midfielder in that pivot. Yeah, true, true. And then the other two midfielders are pushing, which is what I was implying. Ah, right. Yeah, so they're manipulating. I guess you're manipulating because you're forcing your defence to to produce that additional midfielder, which is what, you know, yeah, we're we're like three of the bigger teams are looking to do, right? So you have your city has been doing it. We have now started to try and do it. We being Liverpool with Trent. And then... Um, Arsenal have been doing it with Zinchenko. So, yeah, it is interesting. Um, I, I don't think you guys would do that, uh, at least not yet. I mean, maybe Martinez could do it. I do see him as someone who could step into like a, a DM kind of role. And maybe back in his IX days, he was more um, more flexible in terms of like where you could play him because given the strength of IX in that league is quite strong. So, um. Yeah. yeah, that that I mean, it it does seem to be a good overall signing. Yes, one quality is definitely un, inarguable. Is this he is Premier League proven, which is very very important and something that a lot of players coming into the league we hold it against them, right? Like, or or not against them. We always wonder how well is this person going to keep up with the Premier League? Is he going to be able to you know handle the physicality? So. It's something that he's proven to do. And like you said, he's he's only 24. So overall, it is a good signing. 
but I was just confused. But given that you know he could be playing a deep line playmaker, or sometimes who could even push further, I kind of understand the signing even better now. Yeah, I, I to me, I I don't think he's a Bruno like substitute. I think if Bruno needed to rest, which he will need to rest, then Mount could very well fulfill that position. But primarily, he also fills the Ericsson position. So he's a very versatile midfielder. And I think we were missing yeah. that. We were very locked into these midfield roles before. Yeah. And okay. we're not anymore. You know, we could even play two forwards with Rashford and, and um, Hoyland and then put both of Bruno and Mount behind them if we needed to. We have optionality, which we didn't have before. Okay. Yeah, he does. He definitely gives you options in terms of tactical setup. I do think it's a good transfer for you guys. I think he will be a good player. I, I do think you overpaid though a little bit for him, considering he was in the last year of his deal. However, this I, is the this is the market. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we I think we'll probably say that about all of United signings this summer. Like as a, as a general rule, it's probably the entire market this summer has been overpaying. I think the problem was if we didn't get him, somebody else would have. Saudi would have yeah. come in. Yeah. No, we were like, interested yeah. in him actually. Yeah. Funnily enough, yeah. we actually. Yeah, we were. We were. Okay, we so were. you overpaid because that's the player you want, and I'm glad we got it done early. I'm tired of United. No, I also end of a window for it. Sorry, just to clarify, us also... being us being released clause FC, you know. Yes, <laughs> Liverpool FC. No, but I also think that um, yes, whilst you have overpaid, or you, you know, you say that. There's two factors involved. One is he is English, so he does fulfill that quota for a lot of Premier League teams, which inadvertently makes all English players with good talent that bit more expensive because of of the simple fact that you know they fulfill a quota of the homegrown or something. I believe that he can count as that, or not a foreign player. So that's one. Number two is. In the last, uh, what, I would say decade, Man United have been overpaying for players. So, it's nothing new. Um, from Chelsea's side of view, I think it's amazing business, by the way, <laughs> to get $60 million for a guy who's, who's on his last year. Could have easily written, uh, like seen out his contract. So, it's good. It's kind of one of those flip side things, right? It's like, Yes, Chelsea have done good business. I mean, you're seeing what PSG are facing with Mbappe at the moment because they can't sell him and he's only got a year left. What I would say that for a 24-year-old proven English talent, you know, if he didn't have a year left on his contract, people would have been asking for 90 million for him. Yeah. 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 On that, in that regard, 60 doesn't feel awful, though I think it is slightly yeah. more expensive than it should have been. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree with what you said. I think I think a, a solid like a forty-five million pounds would have would have been a very very, um, good price. But again, you you kind of you're paying the English tax, you're paying the you know United overpayers tax, so uh, it kind of works out. Uh, let's move on, or let's pivot to your uh, your new goalkeeper, uh, Rizik. What is the name? His name is Andre Onana. Onana, what's my name? Onana, what's my name? Yeah, it's perfect. It's like a built-in chant for the fans. It's it's ideal. I mean, it it I I you know what I do I do agree. It's, it's something that flows naturally off the tongue, you know, and um, 
So I want to talk about him because I also want to, well, before we speak about Onana, I want to talk about his, his predecessor and his exit. I, I was very, I don't want to say shocked because that's not the word I was looking for, but it's very strange how everything worked out with, with David in my opinion. Uh, what's your thoughts? Let, let me start what I'm about to say with David De Gea is a ridiculously good goalkeeper and probably right up there with kind of top three, top five of all time for Man United. Uh, some very important saves, some great trophies won. Obviously, Sir Alex brought him in when he was just a kid and to see him develop into what he did is absolutely exceptional. The problem is the way the modern goalkeeper has evolved and it kind of you see it in in Edison, in Allison, a few others. The modern goalkeeper has to be able to distribute the ball and be yeah. very comfortable on the ball. And though David De Gea is a ridiculous shot stopper, probably still one of the best in the world at shot stopping, his distribution has always been an issue for him. And I think that's the biggest reason why he was let go. I don't mind too much how it went down. Obviously, they offered him a new contract and then Ten Hag came in and decided that actually this isn't the kind of goalkeeper I want. I would have liked to have seen the board show a bit of restraint and wait for Ten Hag to make that decision before offering the contract. So it didn't happen that way. But ultimately, this is the kind of manager that Man United fans always wanted, right? A manager who isn't afraid to make the big calls and build the team that he wants as opposed to what the board think is best. So... We can't, as Man United fans, we can't sit there and go, oh, you know, it's really disappointing that, you know, we did that with De Gea, etc. But also say we want a manager who's gutsy enough to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. So, I agree with that. Um, yeah, so ultimately I'm okay with it. Like, I have no qualms with De Gea. Excellent, excellent goalkeeper. Um, I really hope that, you know, he fits in with a new team and kind of smashes it with them and does well. Because I, I really do think he was great for Man United. He's just not great for where Man United are trying to go. Yeah. I Fair enough. That. I mean, yeah. I was I was just going to say, like, I, I agree with that. And I have maintained for a while that as good as he is, he's not a good modern keeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably recall me having these debates with others that he, he's great, but he's not good enough in a modern kind of light. He's not the modern keeper, and I've called out his poor distribution several times. So to see you guys finally put your foot down and be like, no, we offered you a deal, but you know we've changed our mind, and we're going to go with a modern keeper that fits our new style that we're trying to play, that is a good decision. And I'd say that um, Ten Hag is moving in the direction he wants to move, and it's important that the board are listening to him because... The board could have easily, maybe in days gone, could have been like, no, he's getting a new deal and that's it. I think it's important also that, you know, they view this as a way like also he's off the wage bill. and That's a huge, huge wage that he was on. He was on a massive wages. So it's, yeah, it's one, really of, one of the highest earners of the club he was because uh, of the length of his contracts and obviously rewarding that. And, you know, I mean, let's, let, let's talk about Anana. What, what do you guys think of Anana before I share my own opinion? Well, you see, I thought his uh, home debut friendly was fantastic. You know, he was right high up there. That's where you want your modern day keepers to be. 
supporting the center backs, acting like a third center back. But um, I think he kind of forgot he was supposed to be protecting the goal as well. <laughs> uh, no, okay. In all seriousness, I think he is a good goalkeeper. I was quite... Um, even though he had a very strange, like, Ajax to enter kind of thing as well, I think he has been a very good goalkeeper. You could see it as well. Uh, he ha- he did help enter both in shot-stopping, in being a keeper, as well as with his distribution in their Champions League campaign last year. Yeah. And, you know, even for large parts, was a very strong component of, of keeping City out in the game. So I like him as a keeper. I think he's... He's quite good in the modern day setting where you need him to be distributive, but also he can actually, you know, be, he's not slightly better in distributing, but he's slightly worse as a keeper. No, um, he's good at both fronts, and he will definitely open doors for you um, in terms of your distribution. So I, I like him. I do like him. I'm not going to say anything uh, bad about him. I just thought that lob was quite funny. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you could see to, to his defense, I mean, it is a risk you get when you have a goalkeeper with such a high line. But the lob itself was very opportunistic play by Lenz, obviously. But it was because of that hospital pass by Dallow. I mean, he just gave the ball away and he, he was in the back line. Like, you can't do that in modern football. So, and if Patea Patea, I don't know how much it was Anana coming out as opposed to he didn't expect Dado to mess up such an easy pass at that range. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's the modern game, right? I mean, like, I'm glad you mentioned it because the Champions League final, I think that's probably the best selling point of Anana because he had some monster saves to try and deny City as long as he did. But also, you saw him, he was playing like a centre back. He was so far forward that he was, I think, one of the attacks. He set up Lukaku and Lukaku missed the chance. But oh, that would have been uh, that, that would have been an assist for Anana in the Champions League final had they had a striker who could finish. Um, so, you know, I'm excited for him. I think he's exactly the kind of striker we needed, uh, goalkeeper that we needed. <laughs> striker. <Can> you imagine <laughs> striker if he needed a goal yeah. this season, clip that. And we're using it. <laughs> listen, listen, this isn't no Allison situation, okay? That's that's the striker we prayed for. Yeah. Oh man, I can't remember that moment. Yeah, I, I mean Onana, I'm super excited for. I think especially yeah. with the centre backs we've got, yeah, his distribution, it would just yeah, you know, if you saw United last season, so many times De Gea would have the ball and not know what to do with it and we'd lose it. Yeah, and I think with Onana, it means that we can play less on the counter and actually build up attacks. Yeah, I'd say he's before you had whereas before you had a very one one aspect keeper and that he's an amazing shot stopper but a very poor distributor. I'd say while Onana's not the as good as De Gea shot stopping in my opinion, I think what he brings is a much more balanced keeper and that you have someone who can rely on save you can rely on save, to save you out of occasional good shots and stuff, but also he can help contribute to attacks, which is the modern game. Yeah. This is how they play. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think he'll so, be very. I that, think he'll be a good, uh, good uh, signing for you, for sure. Well, to be honest with you, uh, I'm, I'm, we're going to touch upon like what we see and how I don't want to say grade the United edition, but how we sort of see um, what United's business is like been so far at least in the transfer window I'd say overall it, it's been 
pretty positive, you know, as a rival fan, as an objective rival fan, you know, I, I can't, uh, I can't criticize it too much, you know. I think a lot of your signings are what you needed. Um, even though originally I didn't see the mount, um, oh, but you know, obviously as as was explained, and and I am not a United fan, so I wouldn't be able to tell you more in depth, but. It seems to be overall quite good. Yeah, I think you guys have done, you know, the two deals that we have talked about, which is Onana and Mason Mount, I think they have been two positive signings for you guys and definitely in the right direction of the manager's vision of the team and the way he wants to play. Now, you have made a third signing. And for that... I'm not going to say it's a, not it's a, not a good signing or something, but it's far different to the signing that you have, the two signings that you have made, which are ready-made players going to come in to contribute right away. Now, Shiv, give me your, your opinion of Hoyland and what you think he could do for your team, given his age and everything. Right. I think, I think you've absolutely nailed it in that Mount and Onana established players have a long history in the game. We'll, we'll slot right into the starting 11. Hoyland is not that. He's a potential player. And it's important that we view him in that light. I personally, as you both know, wanted someone a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. Yeah, uh, I would have loved Kane, but it was clear that Levy wasn't going to sell him to us. But, um, you know, even someone kind of 25, 26, ready to play would have been interesting. Having said that, I do think Hoyland is an exciting product. I think there is a reason why there was hype around the guy. Um, I've obviously done my research, not just when we were interested in him, but in preparation for this podcast. I think his style of play is similar to Harry Kane. Uh, obviously, that's heaping praise on someone, and I don't mean it in that regard. I mean the way he plays. He's a back-to-goal striker, uh, whereas someone like, I don't know, an Mbappe or a Darwin is more of a f- attacking striker. Yeah, I knew you'd like uh, that. Um, <laughs> I'd even say Haaland's like that. I don't think his back-to-goal game yeah. is, is very strong. Completely agree. Haaland more of a poacher. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think Haaland is very back-to-goal. And it makes me think, you know, Ten Hag wanted Kane. And I don't know if he sees in Haaland enough of Kane to say, you know what, I could turn him into what I wanted. Um, Because if you look at Haaland's highlights, most of his assists have been back-to-goal passing it off to one of the forwards, um, which is really interesting because obviously United have a wealth of speed and talent. You know, when you've got Rashford, Sancho, Garnacho, Anthony, Fernandez, all running off the striker, the bit that you're missing is the player who can grab the ball, hold it for the run and then pass it on, which, yeah. you know, big old Weggy Weghorst could never do. Oi, um, oi, don't be disrespecting Weggy Weghorst, yeah? Yeah, so then, then we were entirely reliant on players like Eriksen, Casemiro, etc. to make the deep-lying ball instead. Whereas now we have a player that we could pass to, players can run off him, he can ping the pass in. I think his finishing is questionable. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen enough of his finishing. Mind you, he is only 20. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what, ex- that's what ex- expected, right? You're not yeah. going to get like, with all due respect, like, very rarely do you see um, a player that is, 
you know, I don't want to say full of his capabilities, but you know his his number one strength at yeah. twenty. You know, apart from the you know the generational Zimbabwe is the Messi's and all that stuff. So it was quite interesting. Now I was gonna so when you bought Mason Mount, I thought number one you putting all these funds into Mason Mount, which at the time, like I said earlier, I didn't quite understand, but. I was like, it's very clear and evident you need a striker, okay? So I was of the essence, like, why are you paying X amount of money for a player who, in a position that, in my head at least, you didn't need as much as you needed a striker? I don't know if you would agree with that statement or not, but you end up going with a project, and it is important, like you said, to remember that he is 20, he's a project, he's not, you know... Uh, we can get onto expectations later, but I doubt you would expect, you know, I don't know, 15 to 20 goals amongst all competitions or something, given his age, given the the amount of time he'll need to bet into the system. But were there other options that you would have preferred to see? Like you did say that you wanted a ready-made sort of contribute now kind of player. Um, curious to see. If you were, if you personally were interested in other people other than Kane, obviously. Sure. So I think world football in general doesn't have that many excellent strikers right now. It, it's this weird scenario where there aren't that many elite strikers. I think the only one that I was keen on is Mouani, the French player. Uh, obviously, yeah. Yeah. a little bit more of that Mbappe kind of poacher style of football as opposed to what Hoyland is. And he's a bit older, he's mm-hmm. 24, obviously plays for France, played in the World Cup final. So yeah. he's just got that little bit more experience that, that kind of thing yes. to yeah. play. But I think it's kind of difficult. I think his floor is higher than Hoyland. I he's more developed at this moment in time. But his ceiling is probably also lower in that because he's more developed, he's already 24, he's kind of his peak, his potential peak, if you will, is lower than what Hoyland's could be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we we come back to Man United have made a lot of poor signings over the last few years. Yeah, but Ten Hag is very much a person who knows what he wants and will force the board to go get it for him. Yeah, so I have to trust a little bit that he knows about this Nordic talent. He likes this Nordic talent, and. Even though Hoyland isn't the complete picture, he's still the, he still was the starting striker for his team. And yeah. at 20 years old, you don't become a starting striker in any league unless you've got something about you. Fair, fair. Um, Riddick, what are your thoughts? Uh, to be honest, I'm a little, not surprised, but I, I'm wondering why you guys didn't consider uh, Gonzalo Ramos, who's just about to go to PSG. Was he an option? Did you ever have any links to him? What was that like? To be honest, I don't know. No one kind of connected us to him in the conversation. It was always Kane, Moani, and um, Hoyland. Now, I don't know if that's because he was closed off to a move early doors. Sometimes players just don't want to move to particular countries and that's the end of it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it, it, it just seemed like he was never an option for us. Because I feel he was he kind of fits what you were looking for. I'm not sure about his uh, play style. I don't really watch him much, but I, he's like I've heard his name being thrown around as like the next big striker. He seems yeah. to be kind of the age profile you're looking for. But my thoughts on Hoyland, 
I mean, the striker market is very, very slim. I think it's because in recent years, there's been a huge trend towards pacey wingers, skillful wingers, dri- dribblers who yeah. can kind of drop a shoulder and take on a man. And so a lot of the natural talent that's coming up from the younger players is winger, more wingers. But I think he is a good player. I think he will be good. I don't think he'll be good immediately. And I think, again, United, kind of similar to what we did to with Nunez last season, you've paid for the potential rather than what he brings now, which isn't a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I, I don't think... I, don't, I wouldn't be putting pressure on him to kind of get you 15 goals a season, this season. I don't think... I think he will get maybe 10, 8, you know, a couple of goals. But I don't think he will, like, smash them in, you know. Funnily enough, I think he'll kind of do similar to what Nunez's first season was like for Liverpool. Though, um, I think I think Nunez, I think he'll do a bit... It'll be that kind of style, but it'll be worse, in my opinion. The returns will be worse. Yeah, I'm going to say... I was going to say, I don't... I disagree with you on that point, because whilst we did pay for uh, the potential of Nunez, we also did pay for a player who is is capable and you know as evidence showed he did contribute to the season no, I, with I don't, uh, I don't 15 disagree. goals and, and 4 assists so whereas with Hoyland you're only paying for potential at this moment in time because he's he's way too young I mean we bought Darwin at uh, 23 or and he just turned 24 like uh, a couple of days after signing so I think we bought him at 20 again 3 Three years or two years more into his progress, his progression as a player, uh, he has played in the top leagues, uh, one of the top leagues, sorry, in Portugal, and he's played in the Champions League and he contributed in the Champions League. So, we bought a player that has done all, all some good stuff already, yeah, and yeah. then paid for the potential. So a bit of now, but a lot more for the future. Whereas in this gonna, case, Holland, yeah, we talk about we're for all. Future, in my opinion. I mean, we talk about Hoyland's kind of returns for the season. I I think it will be very similar to Darwin. I think there'll probably be more assists than Darwin had, but less goals. But somewhere mm-hmm. in that kind of fifteen to twenty returns for the season bracket. I okay. Think so you are expecting him to do that. But I don't think that's like a lot for Man United's starting striker. Like okay. fifteen to twenty returns across all competitions. Okay. No, fair enough. I mean, what, that, one every that's... two games, maybe one every two and a half. Like, it, it, when you yeah, put I mean... it in context. But then I don't. Yeah, I also well... don't think he starts to start the season. I think if you look at the Man United team that played against Lens, um, I don't know if you guys saw the lineup. I but, did not. I'm sorry. Right. So the the striker was Rashford. I think that will stay. Okay. Three behind him were Anthony Fernandez and Galacho. I think that stays. Yeah, fair enough. The two kind of deeper midfielders were Casemiro and Mount. I think that's a lock. Mm-hmm. And then the back line was Dallo, Varane, Martinez, Shaw. I think Dallo's the only one that changes for one Basaka. And then Onana at the back. So, like, Man United played basically their starting 11 against Lens. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than okay. maybe right back. Um, just to also mention, Hoyland does have an injury. Yeah, uh, I saw it, that. It, it's meant to be just a small niggle, but I think Ten Hag will be really careful with him. I think he's quite content starting Rashford up front. 
because he sees and to be honest, I get it. Gonacho is a hell of a talent. Yeah, and I, like I don't him. think he I like minds playing Gonacho on the wing. So yeah. I, I, I think we'll see Rashford starting up front and then kind of maybe a month in, six weeks in, Hoyland will kind of start taking on that role, maybe slightly longer if Tanag doesn't think he's ready. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he'll ease him in. Um me personally, look, I'm not I'm not gonna like sit here and tell you uh, that I'm you know not expecting anything at all from him or anything. But as a as a rival fan, I I don't expect him to do you know fifteen to twenty. I think ten to fifteen is where I see him. Okay, uh, across competitions, but primarily because of how many games he'll actually get to play versus coming off the bench. These kind of things do affect. And second of all, like how much is he going to be put into the the not starting lineup, but the the front of the project because of his age and and the development, etc. So like that's where I saw like I don't think he'll get as many game times as the season progresses because you know presumably you want to go slightly deeper into a cup competition, etc. How many times would you be able to afford to? put him in these situations. It's just many variables in my opinion. So I think this season, you know, in that 10 to 15 range uh, in goal contributions overall and sort of bed him and embed him into the system for next season. I think next season is where you'll get a really more, assuming everything goes well, like assuming things go well, he doesn't pick up many big injuries and stuff like that. I think next season is when you'll see a truly like a true picture of where he wants to be, yeah. If you said to me right now, Shiv, Hoyland plays X number of games and he's going to get you 14 returns this season, I'd probably take it, if I'm totally honest. Because, you know, between yeah. Rashford, Garnacho developing more, Bruno looks on fire in preseason. I think Anthony is going to get better. I, I think there's enough attacking talent there that we don't yeah. need Hoyland to have like a Haaland-like season. We just need sure. him to kind of develop and get some goals and assists under his belt and be ready for, say, a year's time. Fair. Sure. I mean, to, to have a Haaland type season, I don't think many people on this on this planet can. Yeah. And also, you know, I mean, Haaland is Haaland, plus also the the service he got was exceptional. So, yeah, having having Haaland type is is very like any striker should not be compared to. Him. Uh, you know, and we suffered from that last season where partly our own fan base, partly other fan bases where, you know, Man City went out and got a tall striker who's fast and everything and so did Liverpool. But realistically, like, I, even as a rival fan, I'm not being objective here, I'm not comparing him to Darwin or anything, but it's just what that, that player and that team have going on is very interesting to see. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. Riddick, your uh, what do you think he'll he'll do in terms of this this season? Do you think he'll make a contribution right away? Do you think he'll he'll make a shot like for the team? Like, mm, I think he'll contribute, but he won't contribute that much. I think he'll score around eight to twelve. I'm happy eight to fourteen, maybe returns goals at least in. You know, null comps. Having said that, we don't. His game time will be limited, so we don't really know. I just have a, a question. So you've the of the three you've signed, 
Onana Mount and Hoyland. Um, I believe you're also linked with Amrabat. I think that's going to happen, right? A new yeah. DM. There, you're bringing in three experienced players who are who are ready to compete now. But then, for your the spearhead and attack, you've gone for a project player. What's the thinking behind that? To be honest, I think it comes back to what you said um, a, a little bit earlier on. There's just not that much depth in the striker market. Yeah, you could you could wait it out with Hoyland for say five years and then sign him at twenty five for a hundred million plus, or you sign someone who Ten Hag says he knows about, he's seen him develop. Obviously, I can't stress enough that there is that obviously Nordic connection between them. So Ten Hag would have known about him from his development phases onwards. So if he truly believes that this kid can be an exceptional world level striker, then why not pick him up now? and develop him into what you need from 20 onwards instead of getting him further down the line. Yeah, I understand that. But how does he sort of... Big picture, he's your star striker, right? In in three, four years down the line, he's starting as the nine, correct? Yeah. How does, how does he contribute? I mean, not how does he contribute, but... How does he fit now? Like, as much as we like to say, develop him now, do you have the time and resources available to develop? This will come, this will be linked to your season expectations. What do you expect for United in general? Well, I mean, sure. It, it, it's difficult, right? Because I don't know how much he's going to play. It, it's a little bit crystal ball. I don't know if he's going to be a super sub behind Rashford and Rashford will be the striker for the season and he'll have a year to just bed in. I don't know if Garnacho gets injured in week two, Rashford moves to the wing, so Hoyland has to start the entire season. These are the bits that we yeah. do not know. Like, like I said, I wanted a striker that's slightly older for this reason, because if yeah. we're reliant on the striker. But equally, we tried, right? We had Martial for years, couldn't make it work. Signed Weghorst, couldn't make it work. It... If if Ten Hag believes that Hoyland, regardless of his age, has the ability to be the star striker in the next couple of years, then why not? Do you know what I mean? Like, if there's no one else, who are we going to get? Even Tony and sit him for a year? Like, there was yeah, a... I I think I think that's the biggest uh, reason why you've decided to move to the pivot to the development sort of striker because the market is not flooded with strikers at the moment, and those that are really good are 120 million plus, you know? And then in situations they're not going to leave their teams or not yeah, going to be allowed to leave their teams. We could be talking about this at Christmas and Hoyland's played two games because they're developing him. And we could be talking yeah. about it at Christmas and he's starting regularly. We don't, we just don't know that bit yet because yeah. we it's, don't it's, know how ready he is. It's very funny because I've kind of said very similar lines. We'll get onto this later, but when, we, when Rishi and I have been talking about Liverpool, um, yeah, <laughs> and that's why I'm smiling because yeah. I'm just like this reminds me of a conversation we had, but I digress. So, what I, what I will say about United and the attack that Ten Hag's building is that there is like they're all young, yeah. Like, yeah. if you look yeah. at the midfield and the forwards, Casemiro, Mount, Anthony, Fernandez, Ganacho, Sancho, Rashford, now Hoyland, the only one over 30 is Casemiro, yeah, and the majority yeah. of the mid 20s. So he is 
yeah, in the same way vein that Arteta is building this core of players in their twenties, he's doing the same thing, which is exciting to see. Yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, obviously not for us. <laughs> it's exciting, but in general, I could see I could see the um the the age ranges. Everything molds well into the whole. We grow as a group together. Yeah. Um, while still contributing and playing now, so yeah. Um, Riddick did touch upon this, and just for a sake of clarity, I have argued that I would actually like Amrabat to play in Liverpool, but again, we digress. <laughs> so, Shiv, I was gonna actually ask you, and then you know, Amrabat's name came up. Do you expect more signing? Do you expect uh, outgoings? Like, you know, talk us through that. No, I think we should have gone and got a centre-back. And obviously we had Kim and then we messed it up for reasons unknown. Uh, that that was a bit of a dagger. But um, I think we'll make, we'll, we'll make one more signing. I expect it to be Amrabat. And then we'll kind of be done. Obviously he's decided to to kind of keep hold of a lot of players that he has now. I still think he's going to... He said he's going to keep Maguire now, hasn't he? So maybe he's thinking something with that. But I, mean, I think he's just... For depth reasons, I guess. You know, yeah, so I, I really like Amrabat. We saw his quality at the World Cup, right? I mean, he was he was a baller. Um, so let's see. Let, let's see if it goes through. If it does, I think it's an excellent signing for United. Again, adds so much strength in that midfield. Then you could play three holders if you were against tough competition like City, etc. I, th- I think all we're trying to do is build... Tenag basically, if you look at him last year, had 11 players that he liked. And he played all 11 all the time unless someone got injured in one formation because that's all that they would fit into. So he's adding all these other pieces that let him play you know, two strikers. He could go five at the back. He could go three, five, two with Amrabat and Casemiro and Mount. So he's adding a lot of different pieces so that he can be more tactical, which is the way yeah. he likes to be. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think he's building something. Um, very interesting. You know, your tactical shift is going to be. I think you. I expect you guys to have a lot more of the of the ball this year. I don't think you'd rely on the counter attack as much. And I think now that you've got the operators in goal and the operators in midfield to kind of execute that kind of plan. So I expect you guys to be a bit more ball dominant this year. Yeah, like when we're attacking, I can see the the a back three of Varane, Martinez, and Shaw. Shaw used to play as a centre back for most of last year. Like we we have this ability to be fluid in our attack now, which we didn't have before. Yeah. What are your realistic yeah. expectations for the season? Uh, for the for the season. I'd say at this moment, top four. I'm not going to try and blow the gasket and say, oh, we're going to try and win the league or whatever. I just don't think we're there yet. I don't think okay. our striker is there yet. I, I, I think we're still missing centre-back depth. Um, we're still kind of developing under Ten Hag. But I also don't want to regress. I think Liverpool are going to come back stronger. Chelsea are going to come back stronger. Obviously, Arsenal and City are right up there now. So that's already four other teams to compete with. I think Newcastle are excellent, yeah. Brighton are excellent. The league is difficult. Yeah. I think to get top four in this league is excellent. I'd love to say top four and a good cup run, maybe another trophy. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. uh, would be kind of a good season expectation. I think this is. Fair I think enough. we haven't considered this, but the new Champions League formats next season, isn't it? So it's not top. Yeah, top five. Top five. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something. It's one extra spot. Yeah, it's an extra spot. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think securing Champions League football is so important to the development of the football team. And yeah, yeah I'd like to see us do all right in the Champions League. If I'm totally honest, it would be it would yeah. be nice. To, I'm not saying we have to get to like the final or whatever, but it'd be nice to to get to say the quarterfinals of the Champions League. I'm trying to be realistic, you know. I don't want to yeah. sit here and go, "We're going to win the treble," because it's pointless. Like I'd rather be yeah. honest. Where Wait, is you said you're going to win the treble. <laughs> Crop, Where I Posted. Yeah, clip, clip, clip that, yeah, clip yeah, that. Yeah. Um, sorry, Tim. Yeah, we, I know um... plenty, of, plenty of people that we talk to that would love for me to say that. But um, um, look, I, I think top four, decent cup run. I'd love to say the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup, like something like that, just yeah. to top it off. Don't worry. Yeah. We we look forward to welcoming you to uh, the Europa League come middle of the season. <laughs> Hey, I think I think, and you know, I know we're going to have a whole separate conversation on Liverpool, but I think it's very tough for anyone to make the top four this year, other than say City, Arsenal. I think they lock in two of the spots, and then the other two are fully up for grabs. I think three. Our our Liverpool conversation is going to be very interesting because I have my points, and Rishi and I don't agree on a lot. (laughs) So. I am excited. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna be exciting, and I think um, we will touch again upon season expectations. I think once the window is closed, I think that's a fair time to do it. It's because we are no longer saying that if we sign X uh, player in Y position, we can do X. You know, we can do all of these things. We'll know exactly what we have at least. I mean, I would say for the majority of the season. I mean, we all can. Uh, we all can agree not major business gets done in January. So what you kind of start with is pretty much what what you have, uh, barring maybe one or two exceptional cases. Um, so we will touch upon, like, you know, realistic season expectations slash um, targets for each of our teams soon. Um, we will also do a Liverpool... Um, I want to say a transfer window so far. And then I hope by the time we touch upon it, we have uh, a couple of more additions. But yeah, we will, we, will, we will discuss Liverpool in depth for the next episode of our return. But uh, Shiv, given that, you know, the season starts in about less than a week, um, could you give me a bit of uh, your prediction for the first Man United picture? Who is our first picture? Let's Google that. Ooh. Let's Where's that? Man United next game. Oh, it's Wolves. <laughs> Wolves at home. What a fixture. Oh. Monday night football, prime time. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to say 2 0 can... United with a Rashford goal. That's what I'm going for. Okay. Oh, okay. Specifics now, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, if Rashford's uh... playing as the striker, I've got, I've got a back in the score, don't I? Fair enough, fair enough. And uh, Rithik, what do you think um, about United's first fixture? A cool one-all draw. Yeah, I see it, you know, on a, on a nice uh, Monday night to cap off the opening weekend. I mean, I it think, can't be worse than our opener last year, right? Well, I mean... 4-0 against 
They should always be one. You know what? I hope. And um, I think, by the way, through the episode, you you got your manager's name wrong. His uh, his name is Eric Seven Hog, um, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes. But we can understand how you you know you get confused because even I thought we'd score ten on that day. <laughs> so, um, so, I think we got episodes for that, and you wait right until the end for it. But um, I mean, I had to get it in there. I had to get yeah, in. It's fine. Uh, you yeah. can laugh all you want in the Europa League, my friend. Uh, like I said, bro, we we look forward to welcoming you in January. Where is the Europa League final? Dublin. Um, we will be there. Well, Dublin is, is not. Is, is not telling people to book hotels again, or is that? Uh... But uh, you know what? We told them because you know Turkey is a nice, interesting destination. You know, summertime. Nothing to do with us necessarily. I'll have you know. I I'll have you know. I booked my travel lodge room for for Dublin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you refund from all the other Champions League finals you missed, is that why? I mean, sorry, uh, if you want to talk about Champions League finals, how many have you ever been to? Ever? Ever yeah, is ever. a big question, my friend. <laughs> I mean, Recently. okay, fine. Yeah. Fine. Recently, ever, like, you know, I'm not more than five, I guess. Sorry, sorry. Ten hug. Okay, I've waited long Seven. enough. Seven. I have to say, Sabozla is going to be better than Facts. Big facts. Big you facts. You his name right on his shirt. Well, could, you... Kid, <laughs> could you? man. Could you? You know what I'm saying? Rich coming from the club that spelled Sancho's name wrong. Okay, last season. Ooh, ooh, we did, we did forget no about little Sancho. No You'll have your moment to talk about slobber lobber lover and all the other. Oh, I'm sure. Respect Savoy, sure. right? He's playing. Mm-hmm. Today. Yeah, that's what I said. Slobber lobber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll see. Alright, that's been our episode on Man um, United's transfer window so far. Um, you know, we will be back with another episode of Touching It Upon Liverpool's. And we look forward to talking to you then. See you guys. Peace from me, Richard Tony. United to win the league. Peace. See ya. Clip that. Clip that. Clip that. That's clip. That clip.